Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening. This is, if you did not get it from that very specific intro, Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. I have a very distinguished panel for you tonight. They are my co-hosts in crime. First and foremost, Kelly Hinkle. How you doing tonight, Kelly? Oh, I wasn't expecting you to go first. Tonight. I like to Hello, mix it Bill. up. I like that's to mix nice. it up. I like it. Keep everyone on their toes. Keeping me on my toes. That's right. Steph Driver, how are you, Stephalicious? The Flyers are a team. They play a sport called hockey. That's debatable. <laughs> debatable. Well, yeah, some days they play it. The observation man himself, Charlie O'Connor. We are here tonight to try to make everything a little bit happier. I thought you were going to say great again and I was going to die a little bit inside, but okay. Uh, there's, there's one thing that's happened in the last 24 hours that I think is great and everyone should celebrate. And it was it was Wayne Simmons one punch KO on Jonathan Erickson. Erickson six four two twenty. Right before the fight, they line up for the faceoff. I was like, man, he's huge. They dropped the gloves. I was like, I don't know about this simmer. Put him down right away. And uh, so that happened, and that was great. And everyone should go to hockeyfights.com and watch it over and over again to make yourself feel better. Well, there's that, and then Travis Konechny laid a huge hit on Steve Ho- Steve Ott. Was it at the no, end of the second? The league. <laughs> on NHL.com. <laughs> on NHL.com. I mean, that was pretty good to see, too. It was. Uh, the Flyers continue to... To be a hockey team. Yeah, they continue to play a sport called hockey. Uh, this <laughs> intro is just going to screw with us for the entire show. It this is, has been my life for the past the week. ridiculous thing of all time. Uh, Kelly is mourning the loss of Knock Knock. A little bit, yeah. I'm I be said um, we'll bring it back for the playoffs. Knock knock will be the playoff song. I think it should be interjected randomly. We'll see. <laughs> All right, <laughs> keep the listeners on their toes. That's too. true. You don't want people to get complacent. So since we were since we were with you last, uh, we recorded well, our show was last Monday because all the. Because there's the, been a lot yeah. of craziness in the schedule. The national game on Wednesday and back to back Thursday. Uh, Flyers coming in at six, six and two now. Uh, Fourteen points through fourteen games. Uh, one thing that stands out more than anything, you know, the offense is great, power plays great. Uh, one thing that just I can't believe how many freaking goals this team allows. So you know, last week we talked about how the defense is not great and the goalies are good, but are not. Living up to last season's performances. This week, I would like to say, if your team is scoring four or five goals a game, you need to be winning those friggin' games. You get four on Carey Price that has to be a W. I, I don't understand. You have to win those games. This is This is unexcusable. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back on last week's statement when I tried to be a goalie defender and... Uh, over the last week, they've made it a, a bit hard to continue that position. What was so frustrating about this past week was the—I I would call it inexplicable, but it, it is—it's—it it can be explained. It's just 
dumb, which was stapling Steve Mason to the bench while Michael Neuvert continued to be thrown out there despite every single game he was giving up at least one really bad goal. And the reasoning, I'm assuming, was that, well, he was winning. Well, that's great, but he wasn't playing that well. It really seemed... And the whole thing... All the chickens came home to roost against Montreal when yeah. he legitimately played like garbage and lost them that game. That's Neuvert played the one strong game against the Islanders, but gave up that ridiculous goal. Yeah, the game never that, should have yeah. went. No. Never should have got tied because he never should have given up that five hole goal. And like, it really, it really seemed as if ha- Hackstall himself was like. I've had enough of this goalie juggling. I am just going to leave someone in there to get hot. Because we talked last week and Steph said, it's hard for either of the goalies to get on a roll when uh, you're getting pulled in the first, someone else is coming in, and then they're not good so they don't start the next night. And it's just this constant back and forth. It's like he was trying to solve his goalie issues, even that, like... I'm just going to leave someone in there. It doesn't even matter who. And they won a couple, so it was almost justifiable. And then you had to go back to Mason after after that ridiculous he, It was like game. he was trying so hard to make Michael Neuvert the starter. Like he, he was trying so hard to say, this is our guy. And it just it wasn't working. And it... it it just wasn't good. The goaltending has been has been poor. Uh, like Neuvert had the one good game against the Islanders, gave up the goal, but won in the shootout. So it was you. You could you could see his line of thinking. If I just maybe if I just ride this out, he'll get on one of those roles he got on last year. Because at points last year, both goalies were either hurt. One of the two goalies were either hurt or not very good, but the other one was there to step up, and you just haven't had either one to step up yet. Steve Mason has three starts where he's had a save percentage over 900. I'm not setting the bar incredibly high here when I say 900. Neuvert has only two starts where he's stopped 90% of the shots against him. I don't know what the coach is supposed to do at this point. Yeah, When it comes down to it, my issue isn't even him trying to roll with one guy. I get that. I do. And I, I agree that in the end, you want to let your goalies, one of your goalies at least, get into a rhythm. I understand that. My problem is, is I think you picked the wrong goalie. I, I totally think, agree. When, oh, when, absolutely. Yeah. When, when it comes down to it, if you're going to do that, and if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to give one guy a shot to run with this job, you should probably pick the goalie with the longer track record of being above average. And there's a reason why the Flyers got Michael Neuvert on a cheap deal in the offseason last year. They got him for that cheap deal, for that two-year deal, because no one really thought he could be a starter. Mm-hmm. Whereas Steve Mason, over the past three three years, I guess, as a flyer, he's been good. He's been somewhere between good and really good. There was that one year where I think he, you know, he was up near the top in save percentage. He got hurt a little bit, but he was legitimately one of the better statistical goalies in hockey. Mm-hmm. And the other two years, he's been good. So if you're going to take this well, I'm going to roll with one guy and hope he figures it out, you probably should pick the better goalie. But for some reason... (laughs) Logic says, though. For some reason, Haxtell got really, really angry at at Mason after that first period in Pittsburgh. And this, I I do think that this whole Neuvert push was partially due to the fact that Haxtell decided he was just angry at Mason. It was just like, I don't know if it was because... One of the goals he gave up in the first period was something that Hackstall and uh, and Kim Zillabal had like specifically told Mason the day before, like watch for this, and Mason didn't do it, and that frustrated him. Like I'm not sure, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it was clear in the post game press conference after that Pittsburgh game that Hackstall was uncharacteristically angry at Steve Mason and willing to call him out, and then it was no coincidence that Neuver then started the next four games, and. Uh... Can we say it feels like Hackstall pref- prefers Neuvert? Like, if yes. all things being equal, he would want to go with him. Yes. I think because he had the better start last year, and it was Hackstall's first time behind an NHL bench. His supposed number one guy was kind of letting him down in Mason. And Neuvert got them through the first part of the season and then gave them a shot in a playoff series that was going very poorly until he came in. It seems as if the coach if everything was equal, wants to give the job to, to Neuvert. Yeah, and that's kind of what I what I had been pointing to, that he's he's trying really hard to make it fit, but it, it's Neuvert's not there at this point in the season. And I don't know if he's ever gonna get back there. Like yeah. he's Neuvert has had really bad years in his career. Don't get me wrong, Mason has two. But the difference between Neuvert and Mason is that 
Mason's had really bad years, and then he fixed something, and since then he's been really good. Whereas Neuvert has had really good year, really bad year, really good year. Like he jumps, and like this may just be his really bad year. I'm more. I feel like it's more likely that Mason bounces back than Neuvert, just because Mason has been good for the past few years, and I don't think that's just going to disappear. But again, it's goalies. They're voodoo. You never know. Right. And, goalies and, are like relief pitchers. Like, Neuvert is like that guy who's just like, yeah, he had a great year last year, so he's probably going to have an ERA over four. Like, that's right. just the way. Like, don't, it, talk to, don't talk baseball those, to me. But those kinds of every other year things. I can't even relate. Those kinds of every other year things are, it's like with a, a part-time pitcher, a part-time goalie like Neuvert is, seem to happen more often. And Neuvert is absolutely having a down year right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be that guy every week, but I mean, once again, this is just another weird thing that Haxtell is doing that doesn't seem to make any sense to anyone. Hmm. What are you doing? What are you doing, Dave Haxtell? So they have uh, they have Toronto on Friday night and then another game on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. So back to backs, do we expect Mace to get both? Do we expect him to start Friday? I, I would assume Mason will start Friday because Mason played very well yes. against Detroit. Like the, that, that game, well, that game yeah. against Detroit mm-hmm. might have been the best goaltending game of the season for the Flyers. And I mean, yes, he gave up two goals, and yes, the first one was not good. But Detroit generated a lot of shots in that game, and Mason held down the fort. It was. I think I read in your observations too, and it was something I real. It was like this is the first time in a little bit. I feel like the Flyers aren't. I'm not like. Why aren't they leading this game? Yeah, like it, it. It honestly felt like it was a much more even game. The Flyers had been like kind of dominating a lot of games and just not getting, not finishing. Not every game they've played in has been a one goal game all year. But it, 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 the last night against Detroit seemed like just a more even game, and their goalie kind of kept them in it, given the amount of opportunities Detroit had. Uh, like Kelly said, I hate to be that guy, but uh, just got to put it out there. Anthony Stellar's 928 save percentage, Bill. 244 goals against in the AHL. In the AHL. In, in the AHL, playing against AHL, AHL players. Talent. Yeah, uh, I mean. Failing against NHL players is better than succeeding against AHL players? Well, what leads that's you, what's going on. It's apples and oranges. Be- yeah, what leads you to believe sport? that bringing him up to the NHL, any of those numbers are going to translate in any way. I'm just saying. This is how you choose me. your prospects. You go, this one's succeeding here. Let's see if they'll succeed there. And when then you have a spot for be... them. When you have a spot Thank for them. Thank you. We don't have one of those. Yeah, he's... What Stolars, right now, they're playing in front of an open net. What Solars is doing this year is he's making his case to be the backup for next year. Now, I don't think he's playing... He's been so good for so long that you can say with confidence he is better than Mason or Neuvert now. I don't think you can. Yes, he's you know maybe playing better than, than they are while in the AHL versus how they're playing in the NHL, but how does that translate? Now, don't get me wrong. If one of those guys, guys goes down and Stolarz comes up, which he should, he should be the replacement if one of the top two mm-hmm. guys gets hurt and starts playing well in the NHL, then we have a different conversation. But I don't think you can throw this guy in the NHL this year with the task of saying, hey, by the way, you're now going to replace one of Michael Neuvert or Steve Mason because they're just playing like crap. Because not only is that a ton of pressure to put on the goal, you just don't know what you have in the guy yet. Now, if you if you have to throw him in there and he surprises you, then the equation changes. But right now, I, you just he even last year, like he had a great start last year and then tailed off at the end. You want to make sure it doesn't happen again, especially if you're grooming him to be the backup next year when you probably only keep at least you only keep one of these guys. Definitely, you might not keep either of them if they both playing both keep playing bad. I'm not sure, but there's going to be a spot that opens up for Stolarz as long as you know the Flyers hold on to him, which I imagine they will. I'm not saying hand him the net. I just in this. What's it going to be? Worse? Let me see again. Yes, yes, it could be worse. They have the worst save percentage in hockey. But but um, it could be worse. You remember that game when, uh, who was it, Cal Heater yeah, came Cal up? because Cal Heater was a bum. Okay, but he was the one that they called up. Yeah, because the, they didn't have anyone else. I also, he, I, he I, sucked. I also think that it sh- if you call him up, there's a... 
it's an immediate lack of confidence in the goalies. And you know how goalies are temperamental. You don't want to basically say to one of these. If you call him up without doing anything with none of the other guys getting hurt, what are you what are you going to do? You don't carry three goalies at once. Are you sending Michael Neuvert down to the minors? Yes. Hey, man, we got to make then, sure the Phantoms keep winning. We can't <laughs> strip them of their starting goalie. The people in Allentown will revolt. Well, they'll like, just this, stop this, going this to games. This is an Andrew McDonald situation here. Like, if you send Neuvert down to the minors, you're probably losing him for the rest of the year. Yeah. Like, in terms of just like okay, well, I guess this is a lost season for me. And even when he comes back up, he's probably going to be Well, that's next. assuming he doesn't get claimed off waivers. True. He's stopping less than yeah. 86% of the shots against him. Later, Michael. Stop I don't care it. about losing him. He's no good. It is, oh, man. It is a small sample size. <laughs> yes. Remember that. It's small Thank sample you, size. Seven games. Yeah, seven games that he's been bad in. Seven games, Bill. <laughs> Gotta turn around any day If now. you're bad in five-sevenths of your games, I don't need to see any more. But... Well, yeah, if we're talking Over like a out of 100 of a, games, exactly. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we're talking seven games. Yeah. The whole team, they have started slow. So, all right, maybe they need... They've scored the most goals in hockey. All these goalies have to do you're saying is not to be like, this the is, worst. This is... Oh, I don't think I'm asking too much of no. a guy not to be the absolute worst in well, his position. Well, you're not, but you're also go, being you, ridiculous. You go, you go from A to Z to a different alphabet so quickly. Like this I can't is, help that I'm multilingual. You have a, a tenuous grasp on English. <laughs> I have a master's in English. Guys, no, yeah. you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> Um, I have a I have a bachelor's in general studies. Okay, I, whatever. I, it's not general studies. I don't I don't even care. Um, I, it just I didn't I didn't want to have to come in here and defend the goalies because I too am they mad. Don't. They suck, but they don't. <laughs> That's the thing. Why are they playing bad then? Because they're, they're playing, playing their, bad. Yeah, this this isn't the time to chuck one of them off the roster. Later, bro. This is no. This is not the position where you throw uh, someone off the roster. We do have one of those positions. We actually have many of those, but goaltending is not one of them. They need to do better. Time to wake one around. of these guys up. Say so you're next, Mace. We just got rid of Neuvert. Guess what? We'll bring up Lion too, because he'll be just as bad as you. So I got some ideas today. <laughs> Lots of ideas. Bring back Rob. You, you you were. Let's move on because with that comment, I can't even. I will. I, I, I will. I will say that this team, while I love their style, I I I really appreciate that they have defensemen who can like skate at the NHL level. That's really fun for me as a Flyers fan of you know the last twenty eight years to have a blue line that for the new. most part can skate. Uh, but is it their style that they're just going to always turn the puck over because of who they are? They're young. They're fast, they're aggressive, so they're just always going to make mistakes? Not always. No. For now. Yeah. I'd I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Like, no, I don't think they're always going to turn the puck over. They didn't turn the puck over that much in the back half of last season when they weren't giving up that many goals. Now, granted, Mason was playing very well. He was able to erase some of the issues. But the Flyers can win games, as they showed last last night, even though they didn't win. They basically took that to a shootout, and once it's a shootout, anybody can freaking win. But they showed last night they can win a tight checking game. They are fully capable of winning a tight checking game, and if Travis Konechny makes that open shot, they probably do win that game. And I'm not criticizing Konechny. No. I, I love the fact that he skated down the ice and then tried to kill Advocate. Oh, that was a great that was awesome. Both of his hits were like great hard hits and so clean. Like Ott tried to get up and talk, but what's he? He, he looked a little. He looked a little disheveled. <laughs> Abdulkader just looked like. Oh, he got me! Like he—he he was. Those were some great hits. I really appreciate. I love that kid's style. He's—he's uh, he's one of the most fun flyers in a long time. But, but to go back to the defense, I do agree that because they're young, they're giving up more quality chances than a veteran probably would. But contributing to, to, to the bad goaltending, it could be, mm-hmm. could be. But I also believe that as they get older, they will give up less of those high quality chances because they get more used to the tricks of the trade in front of the net. And I don't think it's a scheme issue necessarily. I think it's partially just that some of these guys, you know, Goss, Bear, Proveroff, they're getting used to playing defense in the defensive zone against ultra skilled players. And then other guys on the team, like Mark Streit, have never been that good at preventing high quality chances. That's just not their game. So we really can't expect him to change at eight, what, 38? 
Yeah, he's. I was. I was looking at it, putting this together last night, and Mark. Outside of Mark Streit, all five of their defensemen at this point are twenty six or younger. Three of their top six have less than a hundred games played. So I'm willing to excuse the turnovers for now and just a little miscues. But we talk about repeatable processes all the time and how. Uh, yeah, okay, they gave up these scoring chances, but it's not a it's not a process thing, it's a mistake thing. But the mistakes seem to constantly be happening. Like teams don't have to generate offense against the Flyers. They kind of just turn it over in the middle of the ice, whether it be the goalie turning it over or a defenseman making a bad pass. Goalie is turning it over in the middle of the ice? <laughs> it sure seems like that, but it's it's all connected because we wouldn't be remembering the mistakes if they weren't ending up in the net so much. Like we like we forget about mistakes the defensemen make when they make a mistake and the goalie bails them out. Like it annoys us in the moment and then ten minutes later we've forgotten that mistake. Whereas if a defenseman makes a mistake and it ends up in the back of the net, then we never forget it. Like that's the that's the big mistake issue that a lot of uh, hockey stat analysts have pointed out is like you remember the mistake that ends up in the back of the net. You don't remember the three mistakes that didn't end up in the back of the net. So I don't think, like, if the goaltending gets better, we probably won't be talking about big mistakes as much anymore, even if they're making the exact same number of big mistakes because they're not ending up in the back of the net because the goalies are doing their jobs. Wow. Do we expect the goalies? I, I guess there there is still time for one of them to turn it around. It has been just such a poor start for them. But uh, I one encouraging thing about the defense is it seems to be together now. This is the group. Yeah. This is kind of the group we've been waiting to see. And it kind starts. Of, yeah. It, basic. This is the group at the beginning of the season. We were like, okay, these are the six I want to go with since Brandon Manning kind of broke out and made himself part of the conversation. How about that? <laughs> I was. I, I don't remember where it was. It may have been at the carnival that I heard him being questioned. Like, did you always expect to be an NHL player like where are your skills coming from <laughs> like like this was an actual question like this hey, is didn't you used to suck it was it was <laughs> kind of it was kind of like that kind it was that kind of question it but, was it was why are you good now um and he just kind of said you know I have been playing against a lot of people who always knew that they were going to be in the NHL and I never played that way. So I just constantly tried to get better over the summer and during the seasons. And I think that this is this is where I want to be now, but I want to keep getting better. Which is impressive from Brandon Manning. He's uh, The guy's 26, but before last season, he only had 21 NHL games under his belt. And on the broadcasts, they constantly bring up, he's just confident now. He says, I learned the league. And th- it takes time. Not everybody can come in at 19 and be really good. Not everyone is... Not everyone is who they're going to be on day one. No, and defensemen do traditionally take longer to develop. So... M- Maybe this is just case in point. Charlie has noticed Brandon Manning's play uh, perhaps regressing a bit over the last few nights. He's had a couple bad games in a row. And and you always worry about that with a guy like Manning because he looks so bad at times. And because the, the good came year. out of nowhere. And because the good came out of nowhere, you're just afraid that he's going to, you know, one day turn back into a pumpkin. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, he looked really, really bad against Detroit. He was probably the worst defenseman on the ice against Detroit, and he didn't play that well against Montreal either. But considering a strong start, you know, you got to be willing to, you know, give him a couple more games to see if he can work through it. Maybe he's just going through a rough patch. Every defenseman goes through a rough patch. Even elite defensemen go through rough patches. And I mean, Brandon Manning certainly is not an elite defenseman, but you give those guys a chance to work things out because they've proven that they could be valuable in the early season. And it's a lot easier to give him time to work things out when the alternatives are one of Nick Schultz or Andrew McDonald. Because as bad as Brandon Manning played last night, I still don't think I'd want him out of the lineup for one of Schultz or McDonald. No, absolutely not. Now, has his pairing changed since Delzato oh. came back? I was just going to ask that, actually, because I've missed both of these He's games. He's still with, uh, he... with Gudis. Okay. So they're, okay. U- they're still using Prover off stride and then Manning Gudis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Happy to see you. Just split those two. Uh, what? Oh, oh, Atanaseo. Atanaseo, yeah. Happy to see you. Andre, happy to see you. 
That's not bad. <laughs> that's that's just, that's every time MG, every time Jim Jackson says it, it's great. But uh, yeah, he just he walked right past Gudis and Manning last night. But those two are going to struggle against a, a really fast forward and a really fast team as. Manning did against both Montreal and Detroit. That's just kind of not their game. That's a bad matchup for them. Mm. But speaking of elite defensemen, Michael Delzato has made his triumphant return, freeing Ghost from the, the shackles. Sh- the shackles have disappeared. Oh, ghost. Free at last. It, it's been fun to watch in the past few nights. It's, I, I will say that. You have, uh, when you talk about pairings, and we, we we got into this thing with the Flyers for a couple years, there was, okay, we're going to put we're gonna put Tiemann with Coburn, and we're going to have our stay-at-home guy and our puck mover. Mm-hmm. And that with, with, with some guys, it, it might work. Okay, we have these two styles, and they'll, they'll complement each other. But it seems with Ghost, because of how he, how he excels in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone, a guy like Andrew McDonald, who's just going to concede the defensive zone, well, now you have a defenseman in a situation where he's just not going to succeed. Yeah, you just you can't play, you can't pair him with a guy like McDonald or a guy like Schultz because his weakness is defensive zone coverage. So you want to put him with a guy who's going to have him spend the least amount of time possible in the defensive zone. Like that's that's the ideal partner. And like I don't necessarily think he has to be with a guy like Delzato. I think Ghost could be fine with Gudis. Mm. Because Gudis does the same thing, you know. For whatever you say about his what his skill set looks like, he's great in the neutral zone, and he keeps people from getting in the defensive zone a lot. So that pairing could work. But the Delzato Ghost pairing is good too because they just spend a lot of time on the attack. They're both you know aggressive defensemen. They both are plus defensemen in the offensive zone. They keep the cycle going because they both can take shots and they both can move in and pinch and and you know be active in the offensive zone. And that gives Ghost more opportunities to do what he's good at and less time spent doing what he's bad at. And that's really what you should be, you know, you should be setting up your young defensive for success. And they were not doing that in the early part of the year Mm-mm. with Andrew McDonald. Oh, because Ghost was the best defenseman on the team. Yeah. So he he's also spent a lot of time overcompensating for weaknesses up and down the defensive pair. And he's going to make mistakes. Like, even, yeah. even against Montreal, he had that turnover that became a goal. And against Detroit, he had the two turnovers on breakouts. Like, Ghost is going to make mistakes, and occasionally people are going to get frustrated with him, but he's going to make up for that by so many other good plays Mm -hmm. in the offensive and neutral zones that you forgive him the occasional turnover or the occasional over-aggressive play on defense. Now, I I fully, like, because... You know, the shine is going to wear off these guys. We are going to see the warts on Goss Despair's game in a full season. And the same thing happened with Provorov right away. It was like, oh my God, he's not a phenom. I can't believe it. He's 19. The NHL's really tough. It's one of those wow. things. Yeah. It's one of those things. Do not PK Subban these guys. Because they made a turnover and something bad happens does not mean something bad happens every time they're on the ice. And it doesn't mean more bad than good happens. In fact, it's the opposite. I am really surprised hearing you being rational about this. Because I know that these guys are going to be good. Yes. I, I have faith in the scouting system and what I've seen out of these players. The flyer scouting has been great over the last couple of years. Okay, they pull guys out of nowhere. From yeah, Matt Reed thanks. on, they just find these guys. Yeah, Matt Reed, Michael Raffle, Belmar, they just find guys. Brandon Manning, Scott Lawton is an elite defensive forward. Well, look at that first round. Everyone sucked in that first round. That's not true. <laughs> There's like three good players That's in that first true. round. Okay, but uh, Scott Lawton. Speaking of, speaking of, he's. He, he was back at practice, and now he's back at Lehigh Valley. So he was with the Phantoms on a conditioning assignment, and that was only supposed to last for so long. Um, but did that end? So it never officially ended in the sense that he was ever taken off of long-term injured reserve. Okay. But he was essentially recalled by the Flyers to continue his conditioning in practice with the Flyers. And then there was this weird, weird thing where before the Detroit game, I think a Detroit reporter took a picture of the lineups and Lawton was in it. And then he wasn't when the game started. So Hmm. I don't know if that guy just made that up 
or if he actually saw <laughs> something in the locker room that implied Lawton was going to play, and then the Flyers changed their minds because maybe they figured out it didn't make sense from a cap standpoint to bring him up. Like, I don't know what's going on right now with the Flyers in a cap situation because they just sent down Lawton. They just sent down Robin Lubimov, who was playing very well. That's yeah, the, that the was, one that gets me. Yeah, and was getting, you know, more, he turned from being an every night scratch to being an every night starter, and then they send him down. And the only logical reason to send those two guys down is because they're both waiver exempt, so you didn't have to worry about losing them. But now you're rolling with eight defensemen. You're rolling with the six starters, Nick Schultz and Andrew McDonald, and you're only rolling with 12 forwards. That's not ideal. Because Boyd Gordon's on long-term IR. So you don't have any forwards that are up in the press box that can jump in in case somebody gets hurt because Gordon's not allowed to play. He's on long-term IR. My question is, why are we keeping Andrew McDonald around? Like, why do we need eight defensemen? They I, I, can't, don't, I, I don't get it. When, is he on IR? Yes. That's the question. I th- we think. That's the question. We don't know. So they might have put him on IR last week and if they did that would help to explain it because the rule with IR you can't send him down well not only can you not send him down you can't take him off of IR even if he's healthy for seven days okay so wouldn't we have known though if he was on IR no I don't know I feel like I've heard people say like it's what they did but I haven't seen Dave Isaac reported in one of his articles that McDonald was placed on IR but Cap Friendly which is like the new general fanager never put him on IR and the Flyers never really replaced him with a player, which is the entire reason to put a guy on IR, yeah, yeah. is because you basically can replace a guy on his roster spot. So no one really knows. Dave Isaac did say, he tweeted out seven hours ago that McDonald was put on regular IR. Okay. So not long term. Right, regular IR. Okay. So When does um, Boyd Gordon come off IR? Not until the end of November. Oh yeah! Oh, because he's LTIR. Exactly. I forgot Boyd Gordon oh. was on the team. Yeah, I forget about. They basically him all just the parked time. him on long term IR. Yeah. Okay. So Gordon's Gordon could probably play now. At least it seems like because he skated today, or he's close to coming being able to play. But they can't play him. They're not allowed to because they put him on long term IR. And it's possible that the reason why McDonald has not been sent down is because they're just not allowed to. And then once he is allowed to be sent down, they will send him down and then recall one of Lawton or Lubimov. That's what makes the most sense. Because I just I don't understand why else you would have eight defensemen on the team right now. It, that doesn't no, make any sense. No. Especially because McDonald has shown nothing this year to make you think he deserves to stay in the NHL. Nothing at all. So the the next question I'm going to ask, and this is the most fun question, could could we be looking at a trade? Maybe. 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 And, and, Are they gearing up for something? And the one re- of the defensemen? Maybe Schultz. Like maybe you just dump him for some for a seventh round pick or something. The only and, and Schultz for true, but straight up. Oh yeah. The only, and I'm always so, the kind of person I, who who's says like no. we can't <laughs> yeah. We can't just assume that a trade's in the worst. But the treatment of Lawton just has me wondering. Because he's like this week it's just been weird. It's been weird that he was up in Philadelphia for a little bit just to practice. It's weird that he might have been in the lineup and then wasn't in the lineup. And one way to explain that weirdness is that they thought they had a trade set up, and then it, you know it's still being worked out, so they oh, have to set it down. Like, I hope like so. That would make some sense because if if you didn't think you could keep Lawton, then why did you bring him back to Philadelphia? Like, why? What was the point of that? Was it just because the Flyers' wives' carnival was on Sunday? Well, listen, <laughs> the the Flyers were collecting more money than the Phantoms, so. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. That was that's the, what's happening. I find it so hard to just to care about Scott Lawton on this team. He just doesn't fit here. He's never fit here. It it's is, time to let it go. It is so refreshing or to hear somebody else say that. that. It yeah. You're all Scott Lawton haters. I am. I just haven't seen a nearly enough out of him. I just so because he, he's never had a spot here because there's just not one for him. And and, and he's been tried all over the yeah. lineup. And granted, he hasn't. Has he played a full season up here well, last, last year? Season was the full season? Yeah, I mean he didn't play every game. No, but it was. But the it was the, he does. He skates well. He's got a good shot, but there's definitely a lot of areas lacking in his game. Where I could see him on the third line, I wouldn't hate having him on the third line, except. You know, right now, well, he could take Del Del Weiss's spot. I don't really care about that. Yeah, yeah that would be fine. I, I, I don't care about that at all. Um, but I'm I'm not a big fan of his. Mm-mm. I still have like 
I'm not ready to give up on Scott Lawton because I like the skill set and because he did show me something at wing the second half of last season. But yeah. I will say that the way this season is playing out for him, it just more and more seems like he might be the guy that Vegas takes because he's a former first-round pick. He's clearly got upside. Yep. I don't know if he's ever going to have the chance to realize that upside in Philadelphia. Yeah. And Vegas could say, you know, okay, we're, we're a young, developing team. Maybe we throw this guy in the second line and see what we have in him, something the Flyers could not do. And I, considering the way they're treating Lawton this year, I don't think they're going to protect him. And I agree. So, like, if he's out there he might be the guy they take and I, at this point I don't think the Flyers would be that crushed if that's what happened. Now uh, with with the moves they made sending uh, Lubomov down they're at 12 forwards these lines are are, are getting shuffled and Nick yeah. Cousins has found himself a healthy scratch four times this year. Well, he's got to come back now. Out the last two games I guess he draws back into the lineup uh, in Lubomov's spot maybe on the fourth line. That's what I would assume. Uh, yeah. w- what are we thinking about what are we thinking about Braden Shen centering that third line? And what what what's going on with why are we doing this? So my just my immediate thoughts, I don't like Braden Shen at center. He's not defensively responsible enough to play center. You've got Michael Roffel on the line, throw him at center. Uh put Braden Shen on the wing. Um third line, also don't love it, but this does give us at least three scoring lines. I, I've decided I'm going to look at it positively. Wow. Braden Shen is versatile. I'm going to refer to him as versatile. When they need someone to play center, I wish they had somebody else, but when they need a center, he can do it. They he can do, play on the He can play on the first, second, or third line and be effective in some kind of role. I think it, it creates depth. Uh, he's got, what, nine points in 11 games. That's pretty good. Uh you know, it's pretty good. I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at Braden Shen positively right now. It's nice that you're calling him by words that accurately describe what he is. Oh, <laughs> he is in fact a versatile <laughs> hockey player. But when you see Braden, when you see a guy who signed an extension worth five million dollars in the off season, you say, "Oh, look, great, we got a third liner. Cool, we got well, a five million dollars third liner." Making. He's not a third liner, I, and that's why I'm choosing to look at it yeah. positively rather than look at it through the lens of. Oh, yeah, cool. We just overpaid another third liner. We got him and Dale Weiss locked up for the next 10 years combined. Yeah, and, and he's going to bounce around just because I would assume that at some point they want him back on the first line with Giroux. Like, that has to be the plan. Did I call him Weiss again? I don't know. I thought you said Weiss, but maybe. You know, maybe. We'll, we'll we'll go with either one. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, Shen, I, I think when, when it all comes down to it, this is just a byproduct of Haxtell not having really anybody he's comfortable with at 3C. Like, that's that's mm. the issue. Because we went into this year and we thought, okay, well, maybe it's Cousins. Because Cousins kind of took that role in the final month and a half, two months of the year, and the third line became much better at driving play. And a lot of people were just like, oh, well, I guess Nick Cousins is the third line center. And then from the start, Haxtell has not shown faith in him as a third-line center. Like, it's it hasn't happened. He's played him at wing a lot. He's scratched him a lot. And even when he's played center, he's mostly been the fourth-line guy. So clearly, Dave Haxtell does not like what he sees in Nick Cousins' ability to play center. And because of that, now it's like, okay, well, who's the 3C? They tried Belmar there. He can't do it. He's just not skilled enough. Like, he's, it's just not – he doesn't drive play well enough to be a third-line center. And if he's not the third-line center – and if Cousins is in the third line center, then it's like, well, shit, who's the third line center? And that's why you're ending up with, okay, well, I guess we'll try Braden Shen. And then probably at some point it's, okay, I guess we'll try Michael Roffel. And they're just going to keep doing this until either one guy takes control of the role, one of the young guys, whether it's Cousins or Lawton or something, steps up, or they make a trade. They, they, their 3C is a big position, and they need to find a way to fill it, and they don't have any young guys that are right ready to go. Why is Michael Roffel not playing 3C? I don't know. Okay. Cuz he plays uh he plays center for his national team. He is mm-hmm. he's a he's a natural center and he's got that kind of responsible game about him. He played he, center in the playoffs yeah. after Turier went down. Yeah, he, he that's right. He did. Yeah. He he seems to have I I guess you have to grow into that role in the NHL, but he seems to have the skill set that you would say maybe he's not an ideal center, but in this situation where it's him or Shen, we know Shen can play wing really well. 
And that's kind of where he came into his own. Yeah. Finally, after season after season of saying, okay, Braden, show me a little more, show me a little more. And now we're right back to bouncing him around again. That's the other negative side of things is he finally found a place. And now we're back to, okay, we got to... <laughs> Not only are we switching your position, yeah. we're switching your, your line mates, and yeah, you you're all playing, over the place. You liked playing with Giroud Simmons, did you? Well, well. it's going to be a little different now. <laughs> the good news is, is that as long as he's on that top power play unit, he's going to rack up points. Yeah. Because that's, that, top, that top power play unit's a monster, and he's right in the middle and of that's it, where literally his, and figuratively. That is where the, the majority of his production is going to come from, and... It's a good role for him. He's he seemed to grown into it. He at first it was like, man, he's really just not Scott Hartnell there, and he still isn't. But no, he stands up. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> as soon as Braden Shen scores thirty goals in a season, we'll start comparing the two. He made the position his own. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Hart- it's a different spot yeah. now. Hartnell has a better shot, and Hartnell will always be better that one timer. Shen is a lot better those deflection plays than Hartnell ever was. Like. They can do those, you know, those redirect plays that that really wasn't Hartnell's thing. Hartnell's thing was the blast from the slot. And Shen's good at that, but he adds a different element that Hartnell could not bring that Shen, has kept the power play going. Shen has let a couple one-timers go recently that I've been like, oh, didn't know you had no, that. He can shoot. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the same shot as Hartnell, but he can shoot. His wrist yeah. shot's atrocious. It's just, he just, I feel like he gets nothing on it every time and hits the goalie right in the logo. But that's three quarters of the team, so. Well, that <laughs> but, is also uh, very Speaking true. of deflections, Charlie, you led me right into my next question. You're welcome. Uh, we, we've seen Travis, we've seen that second power play unit, and we've the power play overall is doing great. But that second power play unit that comes out with, with Couturier in the Giroux spot on the half boards and Konechny in the slot and in front of the net. Uh, why is that? I, I'm, I'm on record as disagreeing with that. I mean, of I th- course, I think Konechny should be in the Giroux spot. It just makes sense from a from a handedness standpoint and then from a skill standpoint. But you did make a good point that I noted that I noted this in development camp, and it's easy to see now that he's in the NHL. He's very good at deflection. He's got incredible hand-eye coordination, and that's probably the thought process behind putting him in front of the net, is that, okay, he may not be the biggest guy. He's certainly not a Wayne Simmons just going to plant himself there, and you're not going to move him because you obviously don't want to fight him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, that was so great. That made, It made yesterday so much easier just being able to watch that gif over and over, over and over again. But that might be the thought process, and I get it to a degree, but I do think his skill set would be better used as essentially the power play quarterback on the half boards. Because two of his three goals are uh, via deflection this year, and he does look excellent at it. But... You know, five games into his career, we're sitting here talking like, uh, is he as good of a passer as Giroux already? Like, and when you have an elite level passer, I would like him playing quarterback. That's just me. But that's how I would like to see it. Uh, but the second power play unit as of now is uh, it exists to give the first power play unit a rest. Yeah. So it, it, I guess it's not a particularly big deal, except Sean Couturier had a goal going to the net the other night, and he's a guy starting to use his size a little better. I wouldn't mind seeing him in front of the net more. It's worked for other guys who are trying to break scoring slumps, you know. Matt Reed all of a sudden said, I'm going to go to the net more, and he has six goals. He had 11 all of last year. Who? Yeah, that Matt Meat. Reed guy. Who? Meat. 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 Oh, Meat. Meat Reaper. Meat, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have another question for you guys. Is Mark Streit playing well? He's not playing bad. There it is. And he's scoring a lot. Not bad, which is also good. In a way. He, he, he's, he's putting up... He's putting up some points, guys. He's, he's, been, I understand. he's been opportunistic, I think, is a good way to describe that is right. That's a good word. He's putting up points, but also let's remember he's a defenseman. Is he doing that well? That's the question. Yeah. I understand points aren't everything, but at the end of the game, they don't you know, go, okay, well, this team had better defensive zone coverage. Like, it's about putting up points on the board, and he's got eight in his last eight. Yes. But also, defensemen are supposed to be responsible for stopping the goals against. And is he doing a good job there? I mean, no. How do you how do you judge with playing in front of an empty net every night? Uh, mm. <laughs> like, and that's the first line of defense, literally. 
I, I, I think Stroit's been better than we probably than we give him credit for, um, at least from like a coverage and play driving standpoint. Now, is he as good as the point totals? No, no, he's not. And I think ideally you want to use him in a third pair role. Yeah, I think you do, especially with the way the defense sets up now. But we have to give him credit. You know, he started out really bad, and he has settled in to be good. Well, I mean. Serviceable. Yeah, it it depends on if you want to be charitable, you can say he's been good. If you want to be skeptical, you can say he's been passable. But he's he's at least somewhere between passable and good. Defensemen who have more points than Mark Streit, Burns, Keith, and Weber. We've heard those names before, yeah? Are they good? Never. Those guys are those guys are at least passable. Mark, are, Mark Streit Norris Trophy. What? Yeah. Are, well, is, is that a country band? I don't understand. Does one of them have a beard? I think I think okay. one of them may in fact have a beard. Is one uh, of them a former flyer? I think so. I remember a couple of them. We should have kept at least one of them. I'm just saying. He's not nearly. Uh, I will say he's playing much better than I expected him to, given the first couple games of the season. And, That's a fair assessment. And sure. last year, I feel like people downplayed how poorly he was playing at the end of the, the season. Yes, his penis fell off. Yes, everybody felt bad for him. So the, he got a pass, but he played really, really poorly at the end of last year. He got a little bit better, but that was still really bad. So, yes, he's taken a step back to where he was this season from last year, which you can only get better. Speaking of everyone feeling bad for somebody. Mm, Let's do this. This Sports Illustrated article about the redemption of Andrew McDonald is one of the funniest things I've ever read in my entire life. It was pure gold. You need to read some more comedy. This thing was pure gold. This long road back. like This was going to be this great triumph story, but it's actually... Oh, yeah, everyone still hates him. He sucks, and he's actually hurt now. <laughs> this story couldn't have been worse timed. I-, I can't imagine writing this thing. Like, Sports Illustrated, yeah, we're going to do this feature on this guy, Philadelphia, great hockey town. Yeah, it's going to be their overpaid defenseman that nobody likes. <laughs> and it was also made better just by the fact that it was written with, like, Tolkien level of description of just about everything. <laughs> that first paragraph was yeah. amazing. And it was just like flowery and fluffy and full of nonsense. And at the end, it was like, yeah, he's actually pretty bad at hockey. Yeah, so. it's, it's we really like out. him, though. He's got a nice face. Like, when you just got to tell me about a guy's attitude when he gets demoted, like, okay, I get it. You could be a total jerk about the True. whole situation. And, you know, we've seen it play out that way. But of course, you know, Jonathan Drew was a jerk about getting demoted because he's hashtag good. <laughs> well, also, I mean, Vinny LeCavalier got really pissed off about being benched, being a healthy scratch. I mean, that wasn't good. And he was and still in was the he. NHL. Well, yeah, but he got really pissed off about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think anyone's ever argued that Andrew McDonald is a super nice guy who's handling his situation pretty well, but that doesn't change the fact that he's a shitty defenseman that we have to deal with all the time. There's that. Um, What was really interesting to me um, was how a lot of the article was also about Shane Gossespierre. And he's in in the link. So it's Andrew McDonald Flyers AHL demotion Shane Gossespierre. Well... You know, someone's got to click on it, I guess, for some reason. I I, I think what bothers me the most, and this it just bothers me because it's, I I hate when inaccurate narratives get get sent out, and I hate the fact that this idea that McDonald came up at the end of last season and played really really well with Gosses Bear has kind of taken hold because Mm. it's just not accurate. No, like when McDonald came up with Gosses Bear, Gosses Bear's possession statistics tanked. Like, they went in the toilet. And the only reason why it didn't look as bad as it was was because the whole team got better at possession. So, basically, Bear went from being a 50% possession guy on a 48% possession team to being a 50% possession guy on a 56% possession team. That's 6% negative relative to the team, whereas before he was 2% positive. You would think your most skilled defenseman would improve along with the team as they were playing better. He, in fact, did not. Exactly. And it's pretty obvious what the reason for that was, was because he was with Andrew McDonald, who just came up from the AHL and is probably an AHL-level talent defenseman. And it's fine that he's a nice guy. 
And he is. I've talked to him. He's a good guy. He's a great quote. He's very nice to journalists. He's very nice to reporters. He's very nice to his teammates. His teammates love him. And fans. And fans. And fans. But you can't let that overshadow the fact that he's not playing well and you have to call him out if he's not playing well if you're being you know a fair fan or a fair journalist that doesn't mean you have to say that you know he's an awful human being and he deserves to be dragged down the street and shot or you know man i'm i'm hoping he gets injured like no but you can't ignore the fact that he's playing poor that's i and i see like maybe it, myself included we've all gone a little bit too far. Over the top in terms of, you know, just tweeting a picture of a trash can and saying Andrew McDonald. Yes, maybe that's like, this man's got a family. But <laughs> He named his son after the goaltender that bails him out every night. <laughs> Did he really name him after the goalie? Well, yeah, I know his name's no, Mason, but... but maybe. It would be really funny. <laughs> this conversation makes me think that maybe Broad Street Hockey needs to sell... Shirts that say Andrew McDonald, nice guy, tries hard, loves the game. <laughs> I'd buy it one. Does all three, do, yeah. do all they three sell of those things are accurate. You didn't shirts? see Phil? No. Oh, Phil Kessel. Oh, Phil for the president, Phil for nice president guy, shirts. tries yeah, hard, loves see, the game. I, I yeah. did see those. Those are great. <laughs> Phil's the man. He, uh, he the I can't believe it's 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 gotta American be treasure. It's really tough to sell me on a penguin and He's uh, he was a leaf first. Yeah, he's, he's not a leaf. Pittsburgh was a leaf. Pittsburgh needs to stop acquiring players I like. First they got Kessel, then they got Hagelin. If they get yeah. Jacob Truba, I'm going to jump through a building. I've heard not great things about Jacob Truba. And I don't his, know if he gets a nice guy, tries hard, loves the game t-shirt. No. I just love watching him play hockey. So yeah, I, mean, he is I know. Um, but I've, I've heard a lot of things about his locker room presence and um, off-season antics and... What what is what is what am I looking for? Uh, fitness coming into training camp mm. being subpar. Oh, so he's a bit of a bufflin then, uh, coming in a little chubby. Yeah, that's what training and, camps for. And lazy. <laughs> they call it the off season for a reason. <laughs> and I've just heard some things. Mm. So, did he pay for his teammates' meals at Chipotle? Because apparently that's what really matters. Well, as Andrew McDonald proved. By paying for his phantom teammate's meal at a Chipotle. He also did. He gets paid like the entire <laughs> roster salary. That's my favorite thing when uh, when yeah. Briz was on like an IHL team or something, and uh, like it was his last. He he took all his teammates out to brunch. He was like, "Don't worry, guys. This one's on the Flyers." <laughs> So Briz is the best. He's the best. He's the best. I, I really wish Briz would have worked out because he was freaking hilarious. Yeah, Andrew McDonald also paid for their the rookie transportation to the rookie dinner oh, in New York nice. City even though he wasn't going so like he is a, he is oh, a, a good nice dude guy. he's a good dude nice guy I support him as a human being as a hockey player we gotta do better and not on my team no thank you and the thing is is like I hate when people act like, oh, well, you stab people. You just, you know, you, you want McDonald's people. Like, no, no, not only would it be great for the Flyers if Andrew McDonald actually started playing well from a statistical standpoint, that would be like the most interesting article for me to write. If I could yeah. write an article being like, Andrew McDonald is legitimately getting better. How in the heck did this happen? Like, that would be a fascinating research topic. Yes. It just hasn't happened. That it would also the- be really, really good for the team. Yeah, it would be yeah. great. Yeah. It was it, that was the funniest part of the Sports Illustrated article to me, and that's why I had to bring it up because it was written like it starts off. Uh, uh, he's traveling down the road on buses because he's in the AHL, even though he's thirty, and he's doing all the right things. And this is going to be a triumph story. It's like no, he got called up because there was an injury, and then he Listen, just continued to be. Yeah, bad. I think like the, there's like a paragraph <laughs> yeah. tacked on at the end. It's like, well, yeah, but then he had a really bad game and got scratched the next night. Yeah. So it's not all even su- though he, he got he scored. A goal and still got scratched. Like, yeah, it's Listen, the way she goes. Being 30 is not easy, <laughs> is all I'm saying. Godspeed, Andrew. I'll never know. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> uh, Charlie, I, I know we talked about uh, goalieing stuff earlier, but this was a topic um, since the last show. Tell me uh, just all this stuff that's been going on about the goalies on the PK and necessarily why those numbers don't mean what why they're not predictive oh, and it's more uh, yeah. yes this is the result but it's not necessarily uh like a correlation to what's actually going on yeah well it, it explain all com- it better than well, me it all I'm, comes down I'm, to mason I'm bad at words. because mason has not good 
penalty kill numbers, especially recently. So you look at those numbers and you think to yourself, well, maybe Mason's just bad on the penalty kill. And the thing is, he might be. Like, I do suspect that there is a skill set that probably allows you to be very good at even strength and very bad on the penalty kill. Like, I, I don't doubt that. But the problem with using penalty kill stats is that we're just talking about not large samples. And we're talking mm-hmm. about stats that are not very repeatable. And, like, that's the first key to trying to figure out if something is actually a talent is, like, okay, if – is goal scoring a talent? Okay, well, let's look at it. Alexander Ovechkin scored 50 goals next year. Does he score 50 goals the next year or does he score 10? If he scores 10, then you're like, ah, maybe this is luck. If he scores 40, then you're like, ah, this is probably a skill. If it's repeatable, probably a skill. Well, PK save percentage has not been proven to be very repeatable, much less repeatable than 5-on-5 save percentage. So could he be bad, just purely bad on the penalty kill? Maybe. It's possible. Sure. But I just don't think we have enough data to say that confidently. And when he's been so good at five on five, it's very easy to think to yourself, not this year, but like over the last three or four yeah. years, um, when he's been so good for so long, you just think to yourself, well, maybe he's just had bad luck on the penalty kill. You know, maybe he's given up some bad shots, but moving forward, we shouldn't expect him to give up that many bad shots. And hilariously enough, this year, he's actually been good on the penalty kill. Like his numbers, on, <laughs> his numbers on the penalty kill this year, I think, are much better than Neuvert's. Oh, his numbers at five on five are much worse than they've ever been yeah. as a flyer, but... Penalty kill has been pretty good, so who the hell knows? And and it could just be, like, I try to look at a goalieing style versus system thing. Like, Steph, when we went to that uh, that hockey talk with Briz. Whatever, with Briz, and he talked about meeting with Laviolette, like, early in his tenure with the Flyers. And he just said, listen, listen, coach, uh, I need to be able to see the puck, and all you want the team to do is block shots. Let me just make the first save, and then they can clear the rebounds. And Lavi said, this is the way we play defense. It was a, and nah. so it was like, yeah, this just isn't going to work, I guess. It's his style versus the style they play. So I would like to see maybe things like this have to do more with what a goalie's skill set is. Maybe it's not penalty kill skill set. It's just how his skills translate to what the team is doing in front of him on the penalty kill. I'm not necessarily, oh, the defense is bad, so he's bad. What the defense is actually doing compared to what he likes to, how he's like most able to make the most saves. Could be. You don't know. And the problem with goalies, too, is that it just, it takes so long for you to truly know if a goalie is good or bad. Like it takes a lot of minutes for you to really get an idea as to whether, okay, is this a 920 save percentage goalie or a 910 save percentage goalie? You just don't know. A lot of it's you're just guessing. And the penalty kill is even worse because you just don't spend that much time on the penalty kill every year. So maybe. Hopefully. But, that, but, anyway. but, 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 but that's more of a job for goalie coaches. Like goalie coaches are the ones that should be able to pick out the strengths and weaknesses of goalies. I, I hate writing about goalies in my observations because I just don't know that much about them. Like I know some some general techniques. Like Nobody that. knows anything about goalies. Yeah, they're I was all nuts. Say the same thing. Yeah, they're nuts, and they yeah. Like what can you do when when I have to analyze a goalie for an observation point? Well, goalie was good. Goalie was bad. <laughs> like, yeah. like how Let much? In goals. Like how much can I really add to the discussion? Like yeah, I can occasionally toss in like a reverse VH conversation point but that's once in a while like i'm so far from a goalie expert i feel pretty confident evaluating forwards and defensemen but goalies you know that i'll leave that to the goalie coaches they're their own breed yeah uh speaking of not spending a ton of time on the penalty kill this is my i'm going to make weekly uh gushing about wayne simmons topics sure he he put a little he put a little damper on things luckily it was a one punch ko so I'm, i'm cool with it uh it was his first fight of the year going into last night seven straight games without a penalty minute Congratulations. He's a guy who goes over 100 every year, and I talk about how he changes, fixes something in his game, works on something in his game. He's been incredibly disciplined. And coming out of last season where, uh, you know... He had the uh, he had the instigator penalties and got in trouble uh, in terms of potential suspension. Had yep. that fight at the end of the playoff game against Tom Wilson and took himself out of a potential. Who actually is a human trash can? He, yes, and that's I said on WIP on the air that night how it must have felt so good for Wayne Simmons to just start punching him in the face. <laughs> I bet I bet that was as good as sex, just pummeling well. that dude straight in the mouth. I bet it was amazing for Wayne Simmons, but probably. He took himself out of a game in which the Flyers could have won, and when you're a 30-goal scorer, you you 
want not to be in the penalty box for five minutes at a time. Generally. Last, last night, he got in a fight, and it was necessary because they just look sluggish. And as much as we want to say fighting doesn't mean anything, it does. Who, there is, who says that? There is a primitive, animalistic part of hockey that cannot be explained. It just is. These people are... I think you just put words in my mouth. These, I love the fights. I'm not saying you. I'm saying Twitter. Well. <laughs> Twitter in general. There are there is a community who thinks fighting doesn't matter, and I think fighters don't matter. But every now and then you just have to fight. And oh, last night was maybe one of those situations. Maybe, South Jersey's maybe. on. But I, I, I will say this: I think that that uh, Wayne Simmons is on pace to potentially be uh, you know a Lady Bing candidate this year. And and I will make this case: oh. you know he's he, wearing that goddamn visor. You, you know what? <laughs> he he hates violence so much that even when he gets into fights, he just wants to end them. Yeah. <laughs> He only wants to throw one, then he's done. Kelly just called you South Jersey's Don Cherry, and you missed it. I did. You talked right on over it. Missed it. I would love to be the most famous hockey broadcaster of all time. Please wear better suits. I don't believe in suits. (laughs) He has a bright orange one. Don't let him fool you. I have a bright orange tux. Uh, It's... it's it's on its last legs. Is I, it? I tried to get it dry cleaned, and I'm like, this is going to fall apart, dude. <laughs> what a sad day. Is I'll it made for dry cleaning? No, it's an, it's an absolute costume. I bought it for my senior prom <laughs> thinking it was like an actual tuxedo, and it's like elastic pants. Oh, you're a treasure. Do we want to look ahead at the next three games? I mean, we can. We got we got a minute or two. I just want to say I can't wait to see Austin Matthews versus Travis Konechny. One of your large adult sons. One of my large adult sons <laughs> versus hope, the rest of my large adult I sons. I hope Wayne Simmons punches him straight in the kisser. No. Says, I welcome to the NHL. He's, he's not a fighter. Remember I, how hope, to play. I hope Brandon Mann oh, and Connor nice. McDavid's him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's not do that. I'd really, really love for that to not happen. Uh, I'm fine I mean, with it. One, one of my large What's adult sons set? did fight the other one the other night. It was uh, probably a week or so ago What's... when Braden Shen fought Jacob Chikrin. Oh, that, that was, was nice. Yeah. That was something. What's the Saturday game after Toronto and Minnesota? Minnesota. Minnesota. That, that's back in Philly. Okay. Yes. Come back to Philly for Saturday. And then Minnesota's two. Minnesota's pretty good. Minnesota. Pretty good team. It's about freaking time. You're spending two hundred million dollars on two guys and you're a seven seed. Congratulations! They got a good coach now. Yeah, they do. They do. And then Senators in Philly on Tuesday. Oh, the worst jerseys in sports, the Ottawa Senators. I hate. They're my least favorite team. I hate. I, liked their, I hate the Senators um, more than the Penguins. I'll never get over what? that brawl. I will never get over the way what? they conducted themselves in that brawl. Come on, oh, you, the you don't know this. Wait, Wait, the Senators, the Neil Little brawls? No, the the four brawl. Okay. Yeah, I'll never get over the way they can. That whole thing was totally preventable, and they they. But why ah. would you want to prevent that? I. It's that not, was the way they played hilarious in that game. and entertaining and the such, best. They were such cowards. Sure, they were such. Co- I will never get over the way they conducted themselves and in they those were fights. For it, yeah, they were. But Donald Brashear got kicked out. I wish he was allowed to stay in that game to spear people because that that game was. Uh, I'll and never get go, over. Bill. Here I'll never go. get over. Weren't it. you just the one saying? Was it on? Yelling about sports that you yeah. don't like using the stick as a weapon. Yeah, and I wish. Spearing is super offensive yeah. to you. Yeah, I wish Patrick Sharp had bitten somebody's ear off in that fight. <laughs> uh, 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 I'll never get over the way that the, the Senators played in that game. They are my most hated team in I'm sports. I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone speak so passionately about this game since like 2006. I, I don't think the I've Ottawa ever heard. Incredible. I don't think I've ever heard anybody speak this passionately about the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, seriously, ever. no one them. has. I hate them more than the Mets, the Cowboys. Boys, the Penguins, all of it. I hate wow. the Ottawa Senators. That's and their jerseys are so freaking ugly. Uh, I well, they had the oh, one. We have a tin man. They had the one. I don't know they whether got that it guy was Hamburglar. He's a jerk. Was it there? Eric Carlson's a hockey treasure. Okay? <laughs> he really is. Oh, Eric Carlson is something special. And yeah, they've got they Cherry Hill, Bobby, Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan's not even from here. He's from California. He's not even that good I anymore. <laughs> Uh, they had w- the, those one jerseys that had the stripes, the red, black, and white stripes with the O. That they should I wear liked. prison uniforms. The Ottawa Senators. God wow. damn! I hate. Can they just wear Eric Carlson's face instead? <laughs> Eric Carlson's pretty, pretty, pretty good. I think pretty that good. is all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. People, brighten up. The sun, it didn't come out today, but it very may well come out tomorrow. Uh, my name is Maybe. Bill Matz. Have a great week. Go fly. Yeah.
I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>